When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Over the line, or closing, he's in. A backhander and a save by Tony Esposito. Stan Mikita was a small guy, very cocky in those days. A right hand by Magnuson, and he puts that guy down. Magnuson trying to tear his hair out. NBC Chicago's James Naveau. Six seventy, the scores, hockey guy Jay Zawaski. Two four, Hawks win, Hawks win again. Chris Chelios in overtime. Part of Blue Wire Podcasts. Came off the boards, he shoots, he's going down to the tape. A game-winning goal. The Hawks live to fight another day. Rolling back, Sobel drives, gets it from The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Chicago's going to be in last place forever. Triple Threat Sports, Fry the Coop, and by the Sins in Law Group. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends, to this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. It is kind of a special edition, but we're also due for one, so it's just going to be a big, giant combo platter. Mm. I am James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, of course, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawaski of 670 The Score and the I'm Fat Podcast. Jay, we were due for a podcast. The Stanley Cup Finals are wrapped up, and then apparently the Blackhawks have reportedly traded Duncan Keith to the Edmonton Oilers. So... I don't know. What do you want to do first? Do you want to talk about the reigning uh, two-time Stanley Cup champion Lightning, or do you want to talk about the foundational uh, Blackhawks legend who potentially got traded today? Uh, tell me more about this combo platter that you mentioned. <laughs> um, it's actually it's just a bunch of different meats and cheeses. It's wonderful. That sounds really, really good. You're speaking my language with the combo platter. Yeah, welcome in. Huge day in Blackhawks land. We were going to do a podcast today anyway, and then Elliot Friedman and uh, Darren Dreger are like, mm, the Duncan Keith trade is close. Could happen by this weekend. Then four seconds later, the trade happened. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right, though. The Hawks have not made it official, so it's still a reported deal, but it's going to get done. It's just a matter of signing all those papers and all those things. Something James did this week, which we'll get to a little later in the podcast as well. Make sure you're following us on our social media channels at Madhouse Pod on Twitter, Madhouse underscore pod on Instagram or on Facebook. Uh, facebook.com slash madhouse hockey chi and we've recently launched our t public shop a couple new cool designs coming your way there check that out uh, in the link in our social media bios 
Uh, later in the show, we're going to interview Hernan Salas from TSN 1260. He's the host of the Lockdown Oilers podcast and the Two Guys in the Goalie podcast. We want to get a scouting report on new Blackhawks defenseman Caleb Jones. So the deal, if you have not heard, somehow, if you're living under a rock, the Blackhawks have reportedly traded Duncan Keith to the Oilers for defenseman Caleb Jones, who is the brother of Seth Jones, and a third-round pick. Now, the question going into this was, how much salary will the Blackhawks retain? The answer to that question is zero. Zip, zilch, zero, according to multiple reports. Yes, all of Duncan Keith's salary, which is a $5.538,462 million dollar <laughs> That's really hard to say. $5,538,462 cap hit for the next two years goes exclusively to the Edmonton Oilers. Caleb only Jones. like $3.5 million in real salary for those of you counting at home. Right. The actual cash is much, much lower, but um, good savings for the Hawks. Caleb Jones makes eight hundred and fifty k. He is a restricted free agent after this upcoming season. He turned 24 years old this past June 6th. So I think we knew this was coming. Duncan Keith wanted to be traded. He wanted out. Uh, you knew we talked about it a lot over the last few years that his disdain for Jeremy Cowlton was there. He was not really on board with the rebuild. I think we've given him a lot of praise for how professional he was last year, but he wanted out. The Hawks were able to accommodate it. And what's really impressive about this deal to me, James is Stan Bowman had very limited trade partners in terms of where Duncan Keith wanted to go. And I think even with that in mind, he was able to maximize the return. And, and that's a big deal. Uh, they got a lot back for a guy who many people think doesn't have much hockey left in him at all. Yeah. Now the Blackhawks obviously have uh, six draft picks in the first uh, four rounds of the draft this year. Uh, I know this is not exactly the deepest uh, trade class that or draft class there has ever been. Uh, I saw some a scout earlier today. I forget who it was mentioned. This might be the weakest draft class in almost a decade. So not the greatest year to have a couple of third round picks, but the Blackhawks did get one back. It would appear. So I thought that was a really interesting uh, component of the deal that they somehow got the Oilers to give up a pick, especially without the potential sweetener of uh, dunk like retaining any of Duncan Heath's salary. But uh, to me, it just it screams that the Blackhawks were kind of ready for a change in direction. I know Duncan Keith was ready to get out of Jeremy Colladin's system to potentially take one more run at a cup. I think that the Oilers are definitely going to look to him to log fairly heavy minutes, and they're going to hope that the system change from the Jeremy Colladin system that Keith didn't exactly flourish in and kind of annoyed him. I think they're hoping that those changes end up paying some dividends, and I, I just think that it was it was the right time. Just looking at it. So solely from the impact of right this very second, it was the time for Duncan Keith to go somewhere else, potentially chase a ring, be closer to his family. And it was time for the Blackhawks to uh, clear decks a little bit and to give themselves a little bit of flexibility here in the next two years. And I wrote about this on NBCChicago.com today that even if they don't end up, I know everybody's going to look at this as a potential precursor to a Seth Jones deal. I mean, remember how well it worked when the White Sox last a couple off seasons ago oh. brought in Yonder Alonso oh, and everybody you. was like, oh, they're going to get Manny Machado. It's his brother-in-law. It's going to be great. Even if that doesn't work out, 
there's still that Dougie, that Dougie Hamilton guy that's going to be floating around, and the Blackhawks could potentially use some of that salary cap savings to potentially save him. So it gives the Blackhawks some uh, interesting room to work with if they want to go out and try to get a younger uh, defenseman to kind of be the figurehead of that blue line group. And it's just looking at it strictly from that perspective, I think that you have to look at this as a bit of a win for Stan Bowman that he didn't have to retain any salary in this deal. A couple things that I want to point out, and I just, as we were talking, James, I saw this tweet. It's actually two hours old, but it just crossed my timeline now from Greg Wyshynski. He says, some intrigue on the Duncan Keith trade. The third rounder headed to Chicago with Caleb Jones is a conditional pick with conditions forthcoming when the deal is NHL approved. The Oilers don't have a third round pick in 2021 for what it's worth. So maybe that's for 2022. We don't know. We'll find out when the deal is made official. But like you said, this they is also a, don't have a second round pick, weirdly enough. Yeah, this is a pretty lean draft, as you mentioned. So maybe the Hawks are saying, look, we like 2022's draft better. Give us that pick or whatever pick it might be. So something to keep in mind there. Uh, those details will come out soon. I'm sure in a second we finish recording the podcast, as is what <laughs> typically happens. Uh, here's some dates coming up you should know as a hockey fan. Tomorrow, July 13th, is the deadline to ask players to waive their no-movement clauses for the expansion draft. Friday is the last waivers before the expansion draft and deadline for players to waive that no movement clause. Saturday is the submission of the expansion list and the NHL trade freeze. Sunday, the expansion draft list will be released. This expansion draft is the 21st. The trade freeze ends on the 22nd. The draft is the 23rd and the 24th and free agency begins on July 28th. Now, I think if they're going to trade for Seth Jones, it's safe to assume it's going to happen before free agency begins, right? Right. Because you want to know going into that July 28th uh, free agent frenzy, if you're going to need to pursue Dougie Hamilton or not. And I'm wondering, and I don't know, look, it's no guarantee, like you said, that Seth Jones is going to come here just because his brother plays here. But to me, it indicates that Seth Jones might be the priority between Hamilton and Jones. It also worth I'm it's also worth noting that Caleb Jones is not exempt from the Correct. uh expansion draft, so the Blackhawks would have to protect him if they wanted to keep him. Let's you know what, let's get into that real quick cuz I know it's on people's minds so they can protect seven forwards and three defensemen. That's what everyone yep. thinks they're going or they can do eight skaters, but that's nonsensical. So, uh the list of forwards that could be exposed. Borgstrom, Carpenter, Connolly, DeBrinket, Gaudette, Hagel, Henestrosa, Camp, Nylander, Peary, Quenville, Smith, and Strom. Defensemen, Dahan, Murphy, Stillman, Zadorov, and now Caleb Jones. Goalies, Delia, Lankin, and Subban. So they have to protect seven forwards, three defensemen. Um, so that's the question. Of those defensemen, Dahan, Murphy, Stillman, Zadorov, and Jones, who are the three you're protecting? I'm going Murphy, Stillman, and Jones. Those are the three I'm keeping. That's interesting. I, I, the black, obviously, uh, it's a really interesting situation. The Blackhawks now, I get the sense that the Blackhawks are probably going to end up protecting Connor Murphy. I think that he's a guy that they still want to keep around. I personally think you could potentially get something for him in a trade, but especially after trading away Duncan Keith, I get the sense the Blackhawks will probably want to hold on to at least one of their veteran blue liners just in case everything kind of goes to hell on the trade market or in free agency. And then I do – I think they're going to end up 
protecting Nikita Zadorov. I think that they're going to try to work out a deal with him with maybe a modest pay bump. I saw a report that they're not going to give him the five and change that he was seeking out. The Blackhawks kind of scoffed at that, and it's hard to blame them for (laughs) kind of ruling that out. (laughs) And then I do think that they end up protecting Caleb Jones. I think that you don't go out and acquire a guy like that unless you kind of have the intention of trying to keep him around. So that would mean that Calvin DeHaan and Riley Stillman would both potentially be exposed in the expansion draft. And I know the Blackhawks just gave Riley Stillman a contract extension. That easily could have been, hey, Seattle, look at this. Look at this thing. You (laughs) want this thing? It could have easily been bait for the Kraken. And I love that phrase, and I'm going to say it all the time. I think that's probably the way the Blackhawks end up approaching this now that they have that extra roster space that they can use to protect a guy. Well, it's a good thought with Stillman because remember years ago, Hawks fans freaked out because they re-signed Michael Rosaval. Like, what are they doing? Why? He's 100 years old. Well, it gave him one more person they could expose in the expansion draft. And then he didn't get picked. And then he stuck around for a while. He's like, ah, I'm going to retire now. And that was the end of that. So, you know, Stillman's a little different because he's young and has a lot of hockey ahead of him. But it's not a bad thought that just signed, they kn- knowing that they needed to expose some people signed him to a very affordable deal for a nice player that looks like he's got some upside and that could be a guy uh, exposed. So that's going to be the thing to keep an eye on next is the expansion draft. But this this if a Seth Jones trade is happening, I have to think it's coming before the deadline I, I, before, before all that madness starts. happens and before the draft too, like you really do want to make sure that you have your kind of ducks in a row. I'm assuming the Blackhawks would have to give up some pretty substantial draft capital in order to make that trade happen, even though Seth Jones only has one year left on his deal. And I would assume the caveat would be that the Blackhawks would want to talk to Seth Jones about an extension before he would come. And he obviously would not be eligible to sign that deal until free agency uh, starts anyway based on NHL rules so very also interesting to know do you know what Seth Jones's cap hit is for the coming season is it almost identical to to Keith's right it is 5.4 million so yeah it is basically 130,000 ish dollars more than or less than Duncan Keith's was I'm bad at math but I just thought that was really interesting that uh, Seth Jones's cap hit for next season is almost identical to Duncan Keith just uh something to consider there so here's here's where I'm at too, and I want to, you know, I think if if you're telling me like pick one of these two players, right? If we're having a fantasy draft, I'm taking Seth Jones over Dougie Hamilton, right? Mm. But if we're looking into the future of having to look, you're going to have to sign Hamilton's unrestricted this year. Next year it's Jones. Okay, so either way, new contracts are coming. Is what you have to give up for Seth Jones, be it a couple prospects, a couple picks, whatever, is it better to have Jones and have lost those things, or is it better to sign us a lesser player in Ducky Hamilton for just money? That's kind of my question, and I'm sort of at the place now where my thought is, I think all things considered, instead of giving up a first-round pick and potentially Adam Boquist or a prospect you really like, for Seth Jones, I might just rather sign Hamilton. Because you're going to have to sign Jones to Hamilton money anyway. Right. Or maybe more. 
it, that I was going to say, it could potentially be more depending on uh, what ends up happening with new TV money and all that stuff. The salary cap could potentially go up. We have absolutely no idea whether it's going to or not. Um, that's obviously going to play into the calculus of this a lot. <sighs> I don't know, man. I guess it really does depend on what you end up having to give up potentially to get either of the players. Obviously, Dougie Hamilton is just a little bit older than Seth Jones. I think only by a year or so. Uh, played roughly the same number of games. Uh, last season, Dougie Hamilton had 10 goals, 32 assists. Uh, Seth Jones had five goals, 23 assists. I think the big – I've seen several critiques of Seth Jones – uh, like kind of having fallen off a little bit in recent years. And I know that people are kind of chalking that up to being in John Tortorella's system because Torts is a bit of a lunatic, all things considered. What? I – the thing is, though, if you're going to make the system argument that Seth Jones would thrive in a new system away from the madness of John Tortorella – what makes you think that Jeremy Colleton's system is exactly going to make that dude thrive? Has it really done that for anybody else? Absolutely not. So no, in that, not. if that's the case, if your argument is that Seth Jones has kind of had some off seasons in recent years, but he's going to rebound in a new system, why would it be Chicago's system that he would rebound in? In that case, I'd probably rather have the guy that has the higher ceiling potentially and just pay the money for Dougie Hamilton. Yeah, I think that that to me is where I'm at too. That's I, I mean, I'm not gonna be mad if they get Seth Jones. I'm not. No, of course I, not. He's and a really I, good player. I, I just for, I don't foresee it being an insane like trade package. Again, it is a dude that it, you're gonna have for theoretically you'd have him for one season obviously the Blackhawks would want some type of guarantee that they'd be able to negotiate with Seth Jones work out a kind of a quid pro quo where they re-sign him as soon as they're able to yeah there's no trade without an extension no shot the issue then is is the NHL going to allow that to happen because you can't technically agree to a new deal until the new league year starts and that the Blackhawks would want that answer before the draft and before free agency would get underway Exactly. Well, that's these are the sort of things that GMs have to handle, but you know they happen all the time, right? You're not going to make a huge trade like that without knowing for sure. Hey, you want to be here? We're in the same ballpark financially, uh, you know, and let's get this done. Because Jones can also sort of dictate where he wants to go too, right? Sure. Like he doesn't have to just accept a trade anywhere. Um, I'm trying to see if he has a full no movement clause or a partial. I'm um, looking it up here on cap friendly our buddies he has they have a, a modified, yeah, modified no trade 10 yeah 10 teams he's got to submit a list of 10 teams he can't be he cannot be traded to so nothing too horrible to overcome but that's when the lawyers get involved and james when i need a lawyer oh <laughs> segue wow why fall off my bike and get hit by a motorcycle that's being uh hoisted by a zeppelin i call kent Simpson of i the always Simpson love your Logger. dirigible talk thank you i don't know what that means but I appreciate it. After over a decade of prosecuting homicide cases as an assistant Cook County state's attorney, he opened his own firm over 20 years ago, and he specializes in all forms of personal injury cases. You got in a car accident, truck accident, biking, boating, whatever, hurt at work, nursing home abuse, medical negligence, birth injuries, slip and fall cases, injuries as a result of hazardous drugs or products. His firm's results speak for themselves with millions recovered for their clients. Simpson Law Group charges no 
fees unless they win for you. So if you need a lawyer, if something happened to you at work or elsewhere, call for a free consultation, 312-332-2107, or visit sinsonlawgroup.com. That's S-I-N-S-O-N lawgroup.com. Don't go off sides. Go top shelf. Call now. James, we are... 20 minutes in this podcast, we've talked about the hockey aspects of this thing. So right now, I want to share an interview I did earlier today with Hernan Salas. He is the pre and post game host of Oilers Hockey on TSN 1260. He's the host of the Lockdown Oilers podcast and the two guys in a goalie podcast. Let's get a scouting report on Seth Jones. And when we come back, we will wax poetic about one of the greatest Blackhawks in the history of the franchise on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Joining us now on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is Hernan Salas from TSN 1260. He is the host of the Locked on Oilers podcast and the Two Guys and a Goalie podcast. Hernan, thank you so much for taking some time out. I know it's been a crazy day up in Edmonton, just like it's been in Chicago. But let me get your, before we get into Caleb Jones, let's get your initial thoughts on the trade. Duncan Keith to the Oilers for Caleb Jones in a third round pick. Yeah, it's uh, something that's been talked about here for the last few weeks um, and uh, that Duncan Keith wanted to come out west and that Edmonton was uh, in, 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 co- in contact with Chicago a lot. Uh, and then today about noon our time here in Edmonton, uh, a couple of the insiders on TSN, Darren Drager and Sportsnet's Elliot Freeman uh, kind of broke it saying that they were really close on a deal. Listen, I, I, I think it's... I think Duncan Keith is going to help. I think he's the guy who's in great shape. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's got the experience. Something this team lacks. You know, they don't have that guy that's been there and that's won before and that can kind of help the young guys. So in that aspect, I think it's it's good. I, I, I don't think Duncan Keith, this old guy, and that he's not going to be able to skate anymore now. Is he Duncan Keith from 10 years ago? Of course not. Nope. But he, I think he's still going to help. I still think he's going to. Uh, he's probably going. He's as high as he's going to play. Is probably second pair. He probably play third pair. Um, I don't know about special teams or anything like that right now. We'll see who's who's in the top six for the Edmonton Oilers. They got a lot of a lot of balls in the air still when it comes to the decor. But listen, I like Duncan Keith. It, it's going to be cool to see him in an Oiler uniform, like a legendary Blackhawk player like Duncan Keith. It's going to be cool, but. I'll tell you this here in, in Edmonton, uh, the fans are not happy. Uh, we, uh, I think the majority think it's an overpayment. Caleb Jones, we'll get into, I know 24 year old defenseman, you're giving up a third rounder and there is no, uh, retained salary. And that's the big one here in Edmonton. Everybody's blowing up about it. Uh, this is a, this was a deal that were, I mean, Chicago had no leverage, and the Edmonton Oilers come out looking uh, pretty poor, uh, giving up uh, two assets and then uh, taking on the full salary for the next two years for a 30, I think he's 37, 38-year-old defenseman. So, listen, I think Keith helps more than Caleb Jones and a third-rounder this year, for sure. He's going to be a better player, but it's the problem here in Edmonton, it's the money. Mm-hmm. And you finally had cap space after the Shirelli massacre here and uh, how much he he left this team in a bind, but so far the cap space is not being used. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's not what the fans wanted to see here. They wanted to go younger. They wanted to get a more quality, I guess, players. So right now it's, it's, it's doom and gloom right now here in Edmonton. It's a beautiful day. It's like plus 29, but this trade has the uh, Oiler nation up in arms. 
I have to translate uh, plus 29, uh, what that is in, in Fahrenheit for our audience. So 29 degrees oh, Celsius, it's... that's 84 degrees uh, Chicago temperature, everybody. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, so that was a shock. It was, okay, they made this trade. How much salary do the Hawks have to eat? And then yeah. the reports came out that it was none. And it's like, that is, it's highway robbery. The Hawks got two assets for, look, I love Duncan Keith. I think he is the greatest player he is the greatest defenseman in franchise history i think okay. that if there's a mount rushmore of great blackhawks he's on it uh For one sure. of the top four of all time honestly he's that good but he's turning 38 in four days he's got two years left on a deal and frankly the hawks are not two years away from contention also mm-hmm. they've got on their radar seth jones Caleb's brother, for those that don't know, and and or Dougie Hamilton, probably just one of them, obviously, because of the money. Um, yeah. So it was a no brainer for the Hawks. And the fact that they had to retain nothing was amazing. So the big question I have for you is what are the Blackhawks getting in Caleb Jones? I saw a couple reports and his metrics look like he is just a very kind of average middle to bottom pair defenseman, sort of physical, not overly offensive, just kind of a guy. Is that how you would evaluate it? Yeah, you know, it's funny here. Uh, analytics is, is taking over the NHL. Like, everybody's tweeting about it. Everybody's talking about it. And, and during the season, uh, <laughs> uh, the analytics community was coming out saying that Caleb Jones is a top-pairing defenseman. We watch him every night, and he's not, uh, at least not yet. He's 24 years old. Uh, he signed that two-year deal. He's played uh, in the last two seasons. He's played 76 games. And listen, I before this season started, I had him as my breakout player, and it didn't work out that way. He started on a pairing with Adam Larson. They were an absolute train wreck. Um, Adam Larson was taking a lot of heat here. They finally got split up, and uh, Adam Larson was able to find his gaming. And then Caleb Jones was in and out of the lineup. I mean, a guy like Willie Lagason. Uh, played uh, in the middle of the season a lot more than Caleb Jones. Then you had Slater Cuckoo kind of take his place in the playoffs where Caleb Jones, it was funny because we were at practice and, and Slater Cuckoo was 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 there practicing. And then you can tell Caleb Jones was kind of pouting on the ice. Hmm. Like he, he was just kind of not giving it his all. He was just kind of moping around because at that time we didn't know he was out, but he, he must have knew, right? So and then in the offseason, he kind of unfollowed the Oilers and changed his uh, Twitter profile. And so, you know, like a sour taste, I guess, between him and the team. I, we don't know the ins and outs of what happened with the coaching staff. But, yeah, there's the relationship had kind of gone bad towards the end of the season because he did play a lot towards the end. And I think that's where he was upset because uh, he was taken out for Slater Cuckoo, who hadn't played since February. Uh, but Caleb Jones, I'll say this, he skates well, extremely well. Uh, he can move the puck. Where he struggles is defensively. Uh, he's still got to work on that aspect of the game. He gets lost far too often. I know at the start of the season, they had him killing penalties. He struggled at that mightily. Um, I know towards the end, he uh, Dave Tippett would slide him in there once in a while, but he's not a regular penalty killer, and he doesn't get power play time. So, again, his strengths, skating, and moving the puck, uh, things he needs to work on in his own defensive uh, zone. Uh, he has a lot of blunders, a lot of brain farts. Um, and then, again, he doesn't play a lot of special teams. So there's something there, though. I, I like Caleb Jones. Um, it's For me, it's a little bit I, – I, it's tough to see him go. But here, like I said, in Edmonton, he was being passed at certain times by a guy like Willie Lagason. Yeah. So that that's all you need to know about where kind of he was. Now, in fairness, 
Caleb Jones and Ethan Bear both started the season really slow. They both uh, were struggling mightily. Uh, both were out of the lineup. And then towards the end of the season, like into late March, into April, they were both uh, mainstays on the Oilers' top six. And uh, they improved their game. But then come playoff time, uh, Bear struggled. And Caleb Jones wasn't even in the four playoff games against the Winnipeg Jets. Okay. So... Good skater that can't defend. He's going to fit right in on the Blackhawks. <laughs> Just no, <laughs> no. But he gets he gets around the ice great. But like I said, he still has like that that young defender blunders, right? Like sometimes he gets caught puck watching or he has the puck on his stick and he just he can't make a pass or he he just tosses it up in the middle. Like he he's still making those young defensive mistakes. Again, he's 24. He'll be uh, 25 in... Um, uh, well, he just turned 24, yeah, just turned 24 so, right? Yeah, and he doesn't have a lot of NHL games. I mean, he only has 93. So, the, again, I like this player. I think there's something there. Uh, so, but from what I saw here in Edmonton, yeah, he he did struggle this season when most when a lot of us in the media thought he would take that next step. Let me ask you this. You sort of alluded to potentially some locker room issues, and uh, we do our best to not get overly political on our podcast. We think people come to our podcast to escape those things. But a quick perusal of Caleb Jones's Twitter account shows you someone who is extremely uh, conservative, conservative, maybe even conspiracy theory uh, adopting a little bit extreme on the right. And look, it's not to say you can't have any Republicans on your team, of course. But when you see some <laughs> of the things that Caleb Jones is endorsing, um, that, that can be an issue in a locker room and maybe it wasn't as big of a deal in Canada and as it is in Chicago, because that's yeah. going to be, he's going to be asked about that. He's going to be asked about his, his beliefs. He's going to be asked about his social media feed. Um, so I'm wondering what sort of reaction do you see there? And, and was he in any way, shape or form to your knowledge, uh, a problem or, a, or a, I guess you'd say a polarizing figure in a locker room. No, you know what? To be honest with you, I, I we never heard that. Uh, from all accounts, he was a good teammate. He was part of the, you know, the young guys with uh, Ethan Bear, Willie Legas, and they all kind of grew up in Bakersfield. They all played together there, and they all kind of found themselves on the big team. So, from a locker room aspect, I, I, I would be lying if I said he was an issue because we never heard that. I, what we do know is that on his Twitter, he retweeted this. Is what it was, he retweeted a Seattle uh, Kraken tweet because the the big story here was that he was going to be left exposed and maybe Seattle will take a crack at him right mm -hmm. so and then from what we saw in the playoffs before the first game against the Winnipeg Jets where he was kind of moping around at practice because he knew that Slater Cuckoo would draw in of course the media we found out after the coach uh, did his presser that Slater Cuckoo would draw in for him after missing the, the last three months so I mean, no player is ever going to be happy to be taken out of the lineup, especially come playoff time, especially for a young player. So I just want to make sure that I, I'm being clear where we never heard anything bad about him being a bad teammate or being bad in the dressing room or uh, anything like that. What we do know is that he <laughs> retweeted a Seattle Kraken tweet and that uh, from I was at I was at the morning skates. And, yeah, there was a little bit of moping around there when he found out he wasn't going to be in game one lineup. And a few more minutes here with Hernan Salas from TSN 1260, the Locked On Oilers podcast and the two guys and a goalie podcast. Now, everyone is connecting the dots here with this deal. It is the worst kept secret in hockey that the Blackhawks 
want Seth Jones. They want to try to get Seth Jones. Yeah. What can you tell us about Caleb and Seth's relationship? Are they real close? Is it something that you think would influence Seth to sign here? I know you don't cover the Blue Jackets by any means, but uh, maybe you've been able to glean something about their relationship uh, in your time covering the Oilers. Yeah, no, uh, very close. I mean, uh, I know when he uh, signed his contract on social medias, like the Instagrams, the, the brothers are always, you know, congratulating each other, you know, saying way to go, do all that. I know uh, pre-pandemic, their mom, uh, Caleb and Seth's mom would come down to uh, Rogers Place, watch games here. Very supportive as well. And of course, we all know their father, Popeye Jones, former NBA uh, player as well. So from what we've seen, they're very close, they're very tight. And and from just like I said, from what we see on social media, again, they're always congratulating each other on achievements. And and I, I remember when he signed that two year deal with the Edmonton Oilers, uh, Seth Jones uh, tweeted and, and also made an Instagram post for his brother. So there's a good connection there. Uh, um, and I know the their mother was interviewed here at Rogers Place. And again, you can see kind of how close the family is and and uh, the two brothers being in the NHL. So I, I think it's a huge possibility that Seth Jones might want to join his brother. Uh, he's already been on the record saying he he's going to move on after his last year in Columbus. So, I mean, Chicago is a team kind of in transition, uh, rebuilding. Uh, they got a lot of young studs, uh, Kirby Docks, the uh, the Brinkats, the Boquist. So, I mean, if Seth Jones wants to play with his brother, I mean, I think Chicago is a good landing spot. I mean, they're both American players as well, so they probably want to, uh, stay there and uh yeah i can totally see that happening now but caleb jones got to take that next step right he's got to become that full-time nhl because mm-hmm. he even though here in edmonton and i know we were in a pandemic and you couldn't go up and down with the with the minor league teams and all that but I, he still in this time in edmonton was never able to lock down that spot and on the third pair or on the second pair so for me, Caleb Jones has still got to prove that he's going to get a great opportunity in Chicago with a lot of young players there, but he's, he's got to take that next step. He's, he's really got to take that next step where he's an everyday NHL defenseman because right now he's not. Ernan Salas, thank you so much. I just want to say, please take care of Duncan Keith for us. He's a guy we love. <laughs> he's a guy we will miss, and he's a guy who someday that number two will be hanging over the United Center forever. You're yeah. getting a great player, a guy who works his ass off, and uh, this is going to be more Chris Chelios to Detroit than Paul Coffey to Chicago. I, th- I think it's going to work out pretty well for the Oilers. Uh, maybe it's not going to be another 10-year run like Chelios had after the Hawks traded him or whatever it was. But uh, I think it's going to work out well for Edmonton and everybody involved. And that's, you know, that's the idea. The trade helps everybody, right? That's the hope. See, and that's the thing. Like, it's, you know, in this it's sports world and we cover it, it's, it's a little unfair. The players take a lot of heat for these trades sometimes. And listen, I, I can tell you, I was just listening to our our, our station here, TSN 1260, and uh, they did uh, open lines and let the fans. And listen, a lot of fans are saying, yeah, like it's, it's freaking Duncan Keith. He's going to be wearing number two for the Edmonton Oilers, which is going to look amazing. It, it's more just because of the return and of uh, no salary. Uh, there is no salary retained, I think, is why Oiler fans are up in arms. But I think once everything settles down and we see him in the Oiler colors, I think the fans are going to are going to love it. And like you said, this guy's an absolute beauty and, and one of the faces of the Chicago Blackhawks in their history. Ernan, thanks so much for your time, man. We appreciate it. Everybody check it out. Post games on TSN 1260, the Lockdown Oilers podcast, and the two guys in the goalie podcast. We appreciate your time. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Madhouse podcast. Thank you. That was Hernan Salas of TSN 1260. 
the Lockdown Oilers podcast and the Two Guys and a Goalie podcast. We thank him for joining us on the Madhouse podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawoski out here in Bourbon A. James Naveau, new homeowner out there in Kankakee. He's moved. He is in Bourbon A no more. And I am sad because <laughs> he's far away from B-dubs. But it's okay. Want to tell you about our sponsors, Fry the Coop and FryTheCoop.com. The best damn Nashville hot chicken you will ever have. Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, Prospect Heights, Tinley Park, if you like hot chicken, if you like chicken at all, really, it's not just hot chicken. I mean, hot chicken's what they're famous for, but everything on the menu is so good. They've got country style, which is no heat at all. And then they've got varying levels of heat, all of which are really damn hot. I went to the Tinley one the other day and I'm in the drive through and this guy's like, you know, he's placing his order and you can tell it's his first time. And uh, she goes, do you want the medium or the hot? And he's like, give me the hot. Cause he was like clearly on a date trying to impress somebody. I'm like, <laughs> You're going to start sweating profusely, my friend. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> I just I looked in the window and just shook my head like, he doesn't know. He doesn't know what he's getting into. I'm telling you guys, I am a fan of hot food. The hot at Fry the Coop is no joke. It requires napkins for the sweat and the <sighs> feeling when you're eating. You need a drink near you, maybe some milk. And there's two levels above that. So if you're looking for hot or you're looking for mild, Fry the Coop is the place to go. They've got the tenders. The Nashville hot chicken sandwich. They've got the donut chicken sandwich, which is served between a Tallarico Martin glazed donut. Absolutely fantastic. And the honey butter chicken sandwich is amazing. Everything there is phenomenal. I promise you they've got the fries, the seasoned fries, the mac and cheese. Oh, Fry the Coop is awesome. There's one near you. Go to frythecoop.com. Check out their locations. Place your order online or dine in. Again, Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, Prospect Heights, and Tinley Park. Come get your happiness at Fry the Coop. Okay, so we've done like 40 minutes of a podcast and have not shed a tear about one of the greatest Blackhawks of all time. Top four? Top five? I mean, when you're looking at the great Blackhawks ever, Duncan Keith is there. And I ran a poll on my Twitter account. Who is the greatest Blackhawks defenseman of all time? Gave the options of Chris Chelios, Duncan Keith, and Pierre Plot. James, do you want to take a guess at the percentages on that poll? Uh, Duncan Keith got 69% of the vote because our listeners are immature. That would have been hashtag nice. But Duncan Keith with 85% of the vote. Good Lord almighty. Now, in fairness, people consuming social media are typically younger. Most of them have only seen Duncan Keith play. I was torn between Keith and Chelios. Those are the two best I've ever seen. But when you look at the accomplishments and when you look at everything Duncan Keith did for the Blackhawks and for as long as he did it, he's the greatest of all time for me. It's, it's definitely in my lifetime. And here's something I wanted to say about Keith. And I've noticed this about us. I noticed this about when I was writing about the Hawks, when I was doing post-game shows. His name never came up very often because he was one of those rare athletes who is such a sure thing or was such a sure thing that you never had to worry about him at all. Even with Kane and Taves and Hosa, 
and Seabrook, there would be those peaks and valleys like, oh, you know, they're slipping a little bit. I hope they're okay. Are they hurt? No. Duncan Keith almost didn't, you didn't even bother, have to bother mentioning him because he was that dependable and that great. And that is a rare thing. And I think part of it is maybe he's a little bit underrated overall because he was so sort of just like, oh yeah, and also Duncan Keith, because he's so great, you don't even really have to analyze him. That's the kind of player Duncan Keith was. I saw several people make this point on uh, Twitter today, and it's, I try not to just kind of unilaterally agree with points that are made on social media, but did the Blackhawks win any of those three Stanley Cups without Duncan Keith? Absolutely I not. think there's a very strong argument to be made that they don't. And I know hockey's a team sport. They still had Jalmerson and Oduya and Seabrook. Those guys all get moved up a notch on the depth chart if it's Duncan Keith, if he's not there. My stance is that Duncan Keith easily could have won another Con Smythe. I know he won the one in 2015 when he just had the absolutely oh superhuman performance, especially in the Stanley Cup final against the Lightning. That was one of the greatest individual defensive performances in NHL playoff history. It was just so phenomenally effective and just all over the ice playing 30-whatever minutes a night. Um, just the fact that Duncan Keith was here for the beginning of, you know, this era. And even before that, he was kind of a throwback to the way the Blackhawks were doing business in 2002 and 2003. And he came into the league and you've alluded to this a million times that he struggled badly when he first came into the league. It was a pretty steep learning curve. It seemed like for a Duncan Keith. And yet he just kept plugging away and slowly getting better. And then he had his massive coming out parties in the 0809 season. And then in the Stanley cup year in 2010, just watching him kind of develop and become this incredible first ballot Hall of Fame caliber defenseman with multiple Norris trophies on the shelf and those Olympic gold medals. Dunk, I know we talked a lot about how Brent Seabrook was kind of the soul of this team in a lot of ways and its most vocal leader. Duncan Keith was the guy who made everything on that defense work he was so incredibly talented on both ends of the ice he was such a good offensive defenseman especially that 2010 season Duncan Keith put up some really stinking good numbers during that stretch and he did it all while playing really hard defensive minutes like he got all of these really tough defensive assignments. I know Nick Jalmerson obviously would help out, but Keith was just kind of relied upon to do everything. And it was always so remarkable how effective he was. And frankly, it's remarkable how long his body has kind of withstood all of that punishment and all of that abuse. And the fact that he was able to continue to do is just a testament to how hard of a worker he is. By the way, always the most shredded dude, aside from maybe Johnny Oduya, but my goodness gracious, <laughs> he was a ripped mother effer. And <laughs> just when you kind of put all of those things together, it's just, it's so remarkable, the career that Duncan Heath has had with the Blackhawks. And I'm really, I know it's, you know, very unpopular to root for Edmonton to win anything because it's a lot more fun to kind of laugh at them for squandering Dreisaitl and McDavid. I'm rooting for Duncan Keith to do well up in Edmonton, and I think he's going to be a really important part of that team, and I hope that he finds success and enjoys the uh, time with his family that he was clearly wanting. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's un unreal that after almost two decades, 
Duncan Keith isn't going to be in the Blackhawks organization anymore. It's really kind of hard to uh, fathom and to kind of uh, put into context. It is hard to imagine that. It's He's just such a mainstay, you know, almost never hurt, always on the ice, always playing 20, 25 minutes a game. And you mentioned, you know, do they win a Stanley Cup without him? Well, you know, you're got in the playoffs, you got a guy playing 25, 27 minutes, effectively eliminating half of the ice with his ability, right? We're just, it's shut down. Just don't go Duncan Keith's way. You're not going to have success. If anything, you're going to have the puck in your own net because he's going to force the puck from you and you got stud forwards going the other way and it's going to end up bad for you. That was half the game, half the ice was eliminated. So no, they do not win a Stanley Cup without Duncan Keith. And I want to point this out too, as we've not mentioned the ongoing uh, investigation around the Blackhawks. Rick Westhead from TSN, who's been all over this story at 3.15 p.m. Chicago time, tweeted the 10-page motion filed by the Blackhawks to dismiss Brad, the Brad Aldrich lawsuit. Make sure you check that out. I'm going to warn you, it is graphic, it is gross, it's horrible, but do not lose sight of this other story going around with the Blackhawks, and we will cover it uh, as details emerge. But this is ugly, and look, there's no surprise. I know it's a busy time in hockey, and I don't want to be conspiracy theory guy, but they submit this motion and uh, trade Duncan Keith very close together. Interesting yeah. timing. So just... Don't lose sight of what's important. Stan Bowman did a great job, but I'm going to say this again for posterity. If these allegations are true, great trade, Stan Bowman. You're fired. Yeah. Gone. Um, I, I would point out that obviously the timing aspect of it has a lot to do also with where the NHL is at in its calendar. Of course. I know the Blackhawks right. wanted to Acknowledge. get these deals done before the draft, et cetera. So, and I also do want to point out that a lot of people are going to point to what's in the filing by the Blackhawks as kind of a, you know, well, they get to get out of uh, legal responsibility for it. That's there in black and white. They seem to kind of have their ducks in a row with that. Even if they get out from under the legal specter of this, even if they get out of legal potential punishment, nothing can wipe away the stain of the moral failure that this was. And we've said it before. We will say it again. Anyone who had any hand in covering this up whatsoever needs to be fired and needs to be nowhere near another effing hockey rink. Yeah. I, it, there really is no other bl more blunt way to say it. This was a complete moral failure by this organization, and I just cannot stress enough, we cannot forget this. We cannot sweep this under the rug. This needs to be brought to light. This needs to be talked about extensively, and the NHL needs to do a much better job of investigating it than just kind of letting the Blackhawks handle their own business. It's comical, it's ridiculous, and it's doing a grave injustice to everybody that this impacted. Yeah, and just, you know, I know it's a day to analyze hockey, and that's what we're doing, but we're not going to let this thing slip by. We can't. Like, we owe it to you guys. We owe it to ourselves to hold this franchise accountable on and off the ice. And today we're talking about on the ice off the ice is much more important when teenagers lives are affected. And that's what happened here. So we will not lose sight of that. We promise you if it's not your thing, if you don't care, cool, but we do. And we're going to stay on this thing, even on the busiest of news days. So speaking of news to move on and awkwardly segue away from that, ah. you asked me before we started recording, did you read Scott powers piece in the trade? And I had not had time to yet. And as Scott Powers is wont to do, he buries a major headline in the very bottom of his Duncan Keith piece. 
Here's the quote from today's Scott Powers Duncan Keith trade column. Quote, according to a source, the Blackhawks might still even address other areas of their team. The Hawks like how their forward group is shaping up and believe they have enough there to be competitive. They know there's a need for a quality defenseman or two, but they're also open to addressing their goaltending depth. Listen up here. According to a league source, the Blackhawks could be in play for Vegas Golden Knights goalie Marc-Andre Fleury. With Fleury having just one year left on his contract, the Blackhawks could financially afford his $7 million cap hit if needed. Stay tuned. That's a bomb. That is a powers bomb. And just kind of thrown into like the mix about among this like really long article about Duncan Keith being traded. It's like, oh yeah, by the way, the Blackhawks might look to uh, go after uh, one of the NHL's most uh, famous goaltenders, basically. You just got powers bombed. Oh my God. Here comes Kevin Nash to powers bomb you. That's crazy. I can't even like process that whole thing right now. It's sheer lunacy. And <laughs> all right, Jay, do you want to do you want to step up to the uh, proverbial plate and take a whack at uh, giving a take on this, or do you want me to start? Uh, I'm. What's I need to look at his deal. I want you to start. I want to do a little research before I dive in here. Okay, I don't need research. Screw that crap. <laughs> That's for losers. All right. So I, we apparently don't know anything about what it takes to move a contract in today's NHL because I didn't think there was any possibility the Blackhawks are going to be able to get off scot-free in terms of uh, the Duncan Keith contract. I did not think that they were going to be able to say, yeah, we'll move the entire thing. And you're going to give us an NHL player and a draft pick. I did not think that was going to happen. And then it did. And I know it could just be a matter of, ah, the Edmonton Oilers, Ken Holland doing Ken Hollandy things. Didn't didn't, didn't they fire Peter Chiarelli? LOL. (laughs) I know all of those things are in play here. But Marc-Andre Fleury's cap hit $7 million. That is a significant chunk of change when you consider all of the needs that the Blackhawks have. And I get it. Marc-Andre Fleury had a pretty damn solid season for Vegas last season was largely the starter for that Vegas team. I have two issues here. One, he ain't going to be behind Vegas's defense anymore. If he comes to Chicago and they're not (laughs) going to be able to afford to put that kind of defense in front of him, even if they get Seth Jones Two, when you look at the free agent list of goaltenders, if you want to give Kevin Lankin in a bit of a push in terms of competition, if you want to kind of build a bridge to Drew Camasso, which uh, I Mike uh, Price from uh, Total Traffic today said that bridge to Camasso sounds like a World War II film. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> Tom Hanks. Um, if you want to do that, Tukarask, Pecorine, Devin Dubnik, Antti Ranta, James Reimer, Philip Grubauer, Peter Morazic, Jonathan Bernier, all of them are free agents. That is a lot of veteran goaltenders that you could potentially get for cheaper than $7 million. And I know there's a chance that Vegas could end up eating some of the contract to kind of make that deal happen. Fine. That's a given. I'm just saying you're not getting Vegas Golden Knights Mark andre Fleury behind this Blackhawks defense I think your cat I think your salary cap resources and your trade resources are better spent elsewhere than going out and getting Marc Andre Fleury. That's that's what I'm gonna say. And let me ask you this. So seven million for one year, and like you said, bridge to Camesso, 
my favorite Tom Hanks movie. We need to make that a T-shirt, I think. Bridge to Camassa. <laughs> I like it. If they <laughs> if they trade for Flurry, we're doing it. The okay. Bridge to Camasso. We'll put and it has little, to have flowers. We'll put, along yeah, we'll put like that. a we'll put a single rose on there. Yes, right? yes, yes. I like yes. it. I like where your head's at. Okay, but here, <laughs> I know he's not playing in front of the Hawks defense or the Knights. Not playing behind the Knights defense again, right? But he he had a career best season. Goals against of one point nine eight. Save percentage of 9.28. Those are both career highs in the playoffs. 16 starts, 2.02 goals against, 0.918 save percentage. This is not Marty Turco 2.0, right? This is a guy who still has good hockey left in him. For one year, if they're paying half, maybe a little less than half, I'll take a stab at Marc-Andre Fleury. I like that name a lot better than some of the ones you listed. And like you said, if, if he plays one year here at $7 million or $4 million or whatever you want it to be with the with the salary uh, absorbed by Vegas, then you address it again next offseason. Maybe he'll sign for less for two years, extending the bridge, right? The infrastructure deal, we'll call it. <laughs> we'll Jeez. repair the bridge for a couple years and uh, make it a little bit longer. I don't know. I, I'm depending on how much, I don't know if I want him for seven. That's a lot, especially considering, like you said, everything the Hawks need. That's a lot of money to tie up in one player. But if somehow Calvin DeHaan gets taken in the draft, that's that's a significant portion of money taken out. <sighs> I don't know, man. It's tempting. He had a really good year. And if counter th- counterpoint. Okay, but hold on. Let me let me finish mine real quick. Okay. And if you think Lankinen is borderline starter which is probably what he is. He's, you know, probably replacement level starter slash elite backup. If you want to give him 30 starts and flurry 50 starts or even something closer of a split there, that could work. I think that's a tandem that could work. But again, I need Vegas to eat a significant amount of that salary if that's going to happen. And I'm not sold on that happening necessarily. I know there's not exactly a ton of teams that have the cap space to absorb a $7 million deal for a goaltender. So I think odds are Vegas is going to have to eat at least some of it. I don't think they will get the uh, Edmonton Oilers treatment here. Um, My counter counterpoint to that is twofold. One, how many games did Flurry play this season? 36. He played 36 games. So he played a little over half of Vegas's games. So if you're going to require Kevin Lankinen to make 35 starts, let's say, and then Flurry's going to make the other 47, are you comfortable giving that guy $7 million to play fewer than 50 games? No, I don't want to give him seven. Okay. I'm not, so I'm not, I, that's that part of it. I think the and, max, 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 max I'm willing to pay him is five. Okay. But I so, need to see what else is happening, right? Like who like is Dehan gone? If Dehan's gone, it's an easier pill to swallow. Right? I just think again that I know they don't have a ton of money tied up in goaltending right now. I know that Malcolm Subban, Colin Delia, and Kevin Lankinen combined make about as much as Flurry probably has in his uh couch cushions, I'm guessing. It's <laughs> probably about right. Um, I, I, I will concede that freely. The Blackhawks have not done the thing where they spend $11 million against the cap for goaltending like they did when they had Crawford and Leonard. I will give them that. Mm-hmm. I will say that. They have not invested a ton of money in that. So that is a point in favor of that. However, again, 
This dude played a little bit more than half of it, half of his team's games, played behind one of the best defenses in the NHL. I know he had spectacular numbers last season. You you alluded to them. You told us those numbers. They are really dang good. I'm just saying, dude's going to be 37 in November. Dude's probably only going to play 45 or 50 games for you. I just think that for those, for that number of games and the amount of money that they, they, they would potentially have to spend on him and whatever they'd have to give Vegas to get the you know pleasure of getting Flower on the team, I just think that I'd rather throw a couple mil at another veteran guy, build the bridge to Camasso, give Kevin Lankin in half of the starts, and then use all that money to go out and get a guy like a Dougie Hamilton or a Seth Jones and try to get another solid defenseman to put into that mix in addition to that, and I'll take my chances with that goaltending. I just think that you have to address the gaping holes that you have on your blue line. It seems like the Blackhawks have a bunch of spackle, and they're trying to you know cover up a manhole size hole in their wall, basically. I think that they, they've got other things they can do with that money is all I'm saying. It's a good point by you. It's very hard to argue with what you're saying, but I just, I just like chaos, and I'm here for chaos. Bring me all of it. All of it on a platter with the combo platter you mentioned earlier in the show. <laughs> and tomorrow the Blackhawks will trade for Carey Price because all things are madness. <laughs> of course. Of course. Well, buddy, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to do the podcast. I know it's been very hectic for you lately. Again, congrats on the new house. Amazing. So happy for you. And Laura, I'll be there visiting soon. I might be out in the tree right now wearing no pants. <laughs> you never know. There are quite a few trees. I'm going to have to uh, take some time to look for you. <laughs> all right. Well, don't look too hard. You don't want to see what's up there. <laughs> anyway, for my partner, James Nouveau, my name is Jay Zawoski. This has been the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Remember, busy, busy time coming up. So stay tuned. We're going to be here as news breaks. Maybe one day it'll be just me. Maybe one day it'll be just James. But if there's Hawks news, we will be there for you. And don't lose sight of this scandal. Do not let the shiny Duncan Keith news distract you. Check out if you have the stomach for it. That Rick Westhead uh, tweet, I'm going to retweet it from the Madhouse Pod account so you can find it very easily. Uh, ugly, ugly things, and the Hawks cannot be allowed to walk away from this unscathed. It is gross. All right. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your week. This has been the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, and by the Sids In-Law Group. I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.